I'm, I really am excited about today's episode because we're going to be talking about the hardest part of EFT, how to keep focus. You know, we go to all these great trainings with trainers and we learn a lot of information and we get excited and then we're ready to go in the room. And even we have this great map that's been proven in over thousands of sessions and hours of watching tape and clinical trials. But then something happens, things blow up and we lose our focus. And that's so we want to help people be able to find their focus. That's the hard part. That's the hard part. Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. So y'all, thank you so much. You know, we had a great episode last time talking about the three points of attunement with attunement with client, the traditional way, attunement with self, the therapist, and attunement with to the target. And so today's episode really is going to kind of jump off of that third point in some way, the attunement to the target. And this is the hardest part of EFT. And it's true. This is, I've been in this kind of like this process myself for about three years now, it feels like. And this is hard. This is where even when Ryan's watched the tape with me, he's like, James, you're trying to juggle too many things at one time. You got to get your focus here. You're doing good work. You just got to get your focus. So Ryan, why is this so hard? Man, uh, it, it really is hard. And uh, I think we have to step back and appreciate why it's hard and what we're asking people to do. Okay. Humans don't do what doesn't work. Mm. And uh, couples, relationships, families that come in our office, they are there in large part because they cannot keep focus. But the reason they can't keep focus is because when they try to, it doesn't work. If what you do continues to get you hurt, you stop doing it. As an analogy, horseback riding. My friend and uh, fellow trainer and in, in over in Nashville, Kenny Sanderford, he's got great horse stories about EFT. I do not. <laughs> this is my only one. I, I, like, I like horseback riding. I really do. I get the sense they don't like it. I don't, I don't think the horses like it when they see me coming. I think they would rather have someone a little smaller than me, but that's not a discussion. <laughs> uh, but I enjoy it. You know why? Because every time I do it, it, it goes fine. Nothing bad's happened. And, you know, it ends up being a nice day in nature, and it's kind of cool seeing an animal like that. And, uh, and I end up coming back to the, you know, camp or wherever I am, and it's been a nice day, and so I want to do it again. My wife, on the other hand, does not like horseback riding. Can you guess why? Because <laughs> she's done it twice, and – one time she got bucked off and the other one tried to bite her. So you can't get her on a horse. I mean, <laughs> I try all my persuasion, uh, which once upon a time worked in our relationship, but I cannot get her on the back of a horse. Won't happen. And, and actually what we're asking our clients to do is to get back on a horse, which bites them, rejects them, abandons them, or attacks them in some other way. So focus in and of itself is vulnerable. So to not change topics, to not speed up, to not chase content, to not change the subject is already vulnerable before we even started. Wow. I think the story for me on that coming from one of my uh, past things that I used to do when I was a medic in the military, we were learning how to do IVs or any kind of like what we would call, you know, needle sticks is that there's this part of you as the medical professional, you're doing it because you want to help people. You want to be there for people in pain to bring healing and comfort. But then to do something like that, to give them the healing and comfort, you actually have to do something that's a little bit painful. And in administering that pain to them, you're going to see them jerk. They're going to you know, wince a little bit. And you also feel that same pain that you're causing in their body. And so what we had to really train our new technicians to be able to do was a part of you in that moment when you feel like they're about to have pain, you're going to want to do a very nurturing thing. And you're going to want to go slow and like slide the IV in slowly. And that's a good thing, but it actually increases pain. So what we had to teach them was what you're doing, even though it's going to cause pain, is actually a good thing. Stay focused on what it is you're trying to accomplish with them. And that will help you to be able to work through it. Not necessarily to do the IV fast, but to do it with intention. Not just to kind of like slowly do it, lose your focus, and then be doing this and doing that. And 
and just leaving them in more pain actually, but actually be intentional, go in and do the job. Good. That's a great analogy. It's a great analogy. Um, when a very focused therapist has clients who are a little bit nervous, we are, we are putting them in a risk situation for their own benefit, but it is a risk and, and we will get, you'll get a limbic response from, from that risk. And so let's back up just a step though. We talk about this idea a lot. Any, any psychotherapist, we are not responsible for outcomes. If you try to control the outcomes of your cases, you're going to be wanting to sell insurance. I mean, it's, you just can't do it. You can't do it. There's too many variables. The best therapists on the wor- in the world have, you know, couples that break up or, or, you know, whatever the results are that, that may not feel so good in the moment. We can't be responsible for outcome, but we are responsible to some degree for process. I am to some degree responsible for what happens in my office. And that can go into extreme situations like letting someone be abused or unsafe or something like that. But the the process that I'm responsible for largely is that we spend a significant amount of time focused on the right kind of conversation. And, And this is very difficult to do. I'll say this broadly before we get more specific. If you're going to do relational work, you're going to work with distressed relationships as a professional, you will fail. You will. You're going to, you're going to quote unquote lose cases or it's not going to go well at times. To do this is to embrace that fact. I, 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 was a, a, I taught at universities for 10 years and, uh, and then I've run a clinic for 10 years. So I've been doing this for about 20 years and I regularly have supervisees or, or, You know, young therapists come to me and they'll say, you know, Dr. Raina, I think I've made a decision. I'm like, really? What is that? I don't think I'm going to work with couples and families anymore. (laughs) I think I'm just going to stick to working with individuals, and uh, which is fine. I honor that. But I also push a little bit because I'm like, you know what you just said? What you just said is the hard part of this career, I'm not going to (laughs) do. I'm going to stay with the easy part. And of course, I'm being a little facetious there. I don't mean that helping individuals is really easy, but comparatively, there really is no comparison in the level of difficulty. So I just want to applaud the listeners for being willing to do something which is hard and to stay with it, even to the level of commitment that you'll spend time listening to a podcast. So I appreciate the fact that you're here, and I appreciate why you're here. Mm -hmm. This is hard stuff. We have to be able to embrace some measure of failure, setbacks, and difficulty to do this work. And keeping it focused is an area that's easy to fail. And so before we get more specific, I think a quote I heard from Jim Thomas, a trainer out in Colorado that helped me with this, why this part with couples is so hard. Because he painted this picture of when you're working with one person, man, you can go explore their story. You can be so curious with their story. And even as they go into places and they make inferences about what happened to them in their life, There's no one sitting on the other side saying, oh, no, no, no. I have a different experience of what they're talking about. And so you can just allow your limbic system as a therapist to be so attuned and open to every part of their story as they tell it. Bring the other person in. And then they're going to have a part where when that person shares, they're going to raise a protest or they're going to want to give another alternative fact or experience. And then, boom, it blows up your curiosity. And you have a choice to make in that place. Do you leave the person who was talking? to go over and address this. So that's where I feel like that's right in those, like George would say, and you've said, that's that little window right there where you can lose focus real quick. I love that analogy. You know, it's like working with individuals, which is also really important Mm -hmm. and challenging in its own way, uh, is like being in an open field, though. You can explore, we can look around, you know, there's daisies everywhere. Field of dreams. Working with couples and families, the stress relationship is like trying to walk across a shaky bridge at night over water. It's shaking and, and the, the possibility that may flip you into the water. I mean, it's just harder. And so I just really appreciate the, the ones who are willing to try and keep coming back even when, it, even when it's hard. If you're a new EFT therapist and you're listening to this, that was a great use of a part of risk. The imagery. That was a great example right there. Good catch, James. He's been studying. <laughs> you know, I was on Facebook the other day, and I think it was uh, it was on a non-EFT site, but it was a professional site, and someone came on there, and they were asking for 
They were asking for new exercises to work with couples to help them see attachment. Give me some resources, which everybody wants, right? And which, which in some ways is saying, I don't mean this in a negative way, but some, in some ways it's saying I don't trust the process. That's been proven for 40 years almost to work. So I'm being a little critical here, but I'm trying to make a point more than I'm trying to be critical to this person. He was saying, give me, give me something new to do. And in his subject line, in, in the body of his post, he even said, I have some EFT training, but enactments just aren't cutting it for me. I need something different. Okay. <laughs> so I just ignored it and went on. But anyway, you know, what he's saying, I actually can relate to. Because I've been stuck many times. I've had trouble getting focused. I still do on occasion. And um, so I, it does make sense with his frustration. But I think what he's saying, if we could, if we could uh, lean back into his concern, what, he, what he's probably saying is this. Number one, I can't or am not clear on how to get focus. Or number two, I don't really have a plan when my clients block me. Mm. And so today's topic is focus. Yeah. And we're excited about an upcoming episode really, really quickly here, just in a couple of weeks, called uh, Block School 101. <laughs> I love it. Understanding blocks, having a plan. Because if you can't keep focus and you don't have a clear plan of how to work with client blocks, resistance, defensiveness, whatever you want to call blocks, you're not going to like EFT. I could push back and say, you're not going to like anything else either because our clients are in our offices because they're blocked. So to not be willing to work with blocks means actually you're not willing to work with where clients are, but we'll come back to blocks. Today is about focus. And we thought we would kind of introduce sort of three points that focus is really challenging that we can kind of unpack some ideas on, because if you can keep EFT focused, then all your interventions and your map start to make sense. It doesn't mean it's going to go easily, but you got a shot. But if you can't keep your sessions focused, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how loving you are, all those wonderful things about you really are kind of, will get lost in the chaos of this, that cycles create chaos. If you, you may not relate to this, depending on where in the world you're listening from, but we had yet another tornado this past mm -hmm. week hit a local community in Arkansas. We had just had an externship there three weeks ago. The video is unbelievable. It literally ripped a train off its tracks and just sent and threw it across a field. I don't know how much that weighs, but it's a lot. Cars were thrown around like they're toothpicks. And, and that's what these reactive cycles, our couples are as well. They're incredibly powerful. They're incredibly intense. They create debris and chaos everywhere. And so getting them focused is really hard and equally important. So our three areas we want to talk about focus today are one, getting, getting sessions started. And we're mostly talking about sessions after the assessment's done. So not so much talking about session one, though some of these points may be relevant there. We're talking about after assessment, after attachment histories are done, and you're jumping in to step two, step three, trying to get the cycle identified, trying to identify roles, and then further trying to access the pain underneath the cycle. So I just listed step two and three there for you. So the first part, part of focus, <coughs> excuse me, is getting started well. Mm -hmm. The second part is resetting focus when you lose it. This is predictable. This is part of the process. No therapist on the planet gets and stays focused the whole time. I wouldn't even know what to do if I saw that. That would be so weird. We expect focus to come in and out. It's like the view of a camera. You're not supposed to be unilaterally focused all the time. What's key is for the therapist to realize when we've lost it so they, they have the confidence to reset it. We'll come back to that. Those James's face looks like he really wants to go into that. Well, just because when you said the camera part, because the reason why the camera is doing that, it's re because there's movement. Mm -hmm. So in the EFT session, we expect movement. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it is going to call for a refocus. Nice. And if you never get blocked, it means you're actually off target. Yeah. But we'll come back to that in a few weeks with Block School 101. All right. So the third area of focus 
is the target focus. So trusting the process to stay with the target, target being corrective emotional experiences in your office, right there in front of you, not kicking the can down the road towards work you're going to do later, not putting your trust in homework or, you know, whatever sort of skill focus that's easy to get lost into, not getting lost in mediating content by the couple, which is also hard. So those are three areas of focus, starting it on focus, resetting the focus when it's predictably lost, and then target focus, staying focused on our theory of change, which is corrective experience in the session. So James, you want to start us off with starting well in EFT? Man, yeah, because I was definitely about to ask you on that one. I think <laughs> the move that you've I've been working on right now you tell me if this is on track with what you're th talking about even started. Well, one, let me go back. One is even just what you just said. Knowing the big overall target helps me to even get started, right? So it's like if I'm trying to go in a race, and so I just went out running with my daughter, and we were going to time her for a mile. She's, she's running. She's training to be a sprinter, but we we're going to just see how fast she could run a mile. Well, she started off running her mile like she was, like she was going for a 100-yard dash. And as we're running, I'm like, baby, can you keep this for a mile? She forgot what the target was. She was running for the 100-yard dash instead of the mile. Uh, so knowing that the corrective emotional experience is my target helps me get started. That's one. But what I was going to say is the one you've been helping me work on right now recently, Ryan, is the reflecting present process. That's been a huge, for me, getting started. I don't even know, focus for me is how do you dance right now? Let me see what happens. How does this place even get started? What moves do each of you make? And then when this thing starts, I don't know. So that's one way when I think about target as they were getting started is even going with that first move of the tango. What would you say? That's good. That's exactly what I'm about to talk about. Let's okay. review the tango really fast. Okay. Tango, the first move of the tango is reflect present process. Really clicking in to what their dance is mm -hmm. right in front of you mm -hmm. from an attachment lens. Hard or easy? Hard. Hardest move of the tango. Sounds easy, but it's hard. Hardest move of the tango. Because you got to keep, you know what, I'm just a hit for me. Each part of the tango requires focus. Because the reason why it was so hard for me, Ryan, is I'll be doing that reflecting present process, and then they'll take my focus off to something else. And so I don't even get that tango move. And then I'm lost. And I'm like, why? I don't know how they dance because they got me out. That's what we're talking about today. Yeah, so just reviewing real quickly, reflect Good. present process is the first move of the mm -hmm. tango. Second move of the tango, we're doing affect assembly, looking at the elements of experience and particularly distilling emotion, mm -hmm. trying to get this to a new, different, and deeper level than they currently dance with it or describe it as. Mm -hmm. When we get to that new, different, and deeper level, we, the third move of the tango, the magic of EFT, we enact it over. We, we set an enactment. We get it focused right there. Mm -hmm. There's our word. We send it across, and uh, we're ready for anything at that point or ready for blocks for sure. When people's eyes lock together, that's when it starts. That's when the game gets going. Mm -hmm. Then we process all the attachment events that just took place. Don't leave any meat on the bone, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we come back and do a summary. Every one of those moves requires focus. Yep. But let's start at the start. Okay. This is the hardest move of the tango. As far as I can tell, you know, I had a chance to, to consider this a bit before we came on air today. And, uh, I was just thinking through the last several dozen, I don't want to say bad, but I we'll just say ineffective sessions. Sessions didn't go well. Okay. I'm thinking of some of mine. I've had a few hard cases in the past, you know, three months I'd like to have back. I had a live, uh, consult. Uh, a few years ago in St. Louis that went sideways on me. And it was just a really hard, a lot, a really hard session. And then I've watched a bunch of supervisees videos right there with me that, that the session went sideways or we were so lost. I don't even know what's happening. Right. And, and here's my stats. You ready? Mm -hmm. Of these bad quote, bad sessions, 80% of them never got focused at all. 80%. 20% got focused, but then lost focus at key times. So lot, lack of focus and a session not being effective 
absolutely are related. Mm -hmm. So let's jump in and get more specific. Getting started, post-assessment, when a couple comes in. It's so, so easy to feel like you're focused when you're not. Or to not have focus at all. So the, the, the second one, let's start there, we'll go back to number one, is a lot of chaos comes in, a lot of content comes in. Mm -hmm. Usually the pursuer has a lot of words. The pursuer usually has rehearsed what they're going to say and also has rehearsed what you're going to say, <laughs> you know, to see if you agree with their uh, perspective. And that's not me being critical of pursuers. I've been called one myself. This is how they survive. This is how they fight for their relationship, which is to increase the volume and, and sort of force response, which is indicative of their greatest fear, which is to not be responded to. So to get focused sometimes is just really chaotic. It comes in with a lot of content. They're expecting you to pick sides. They're expecting you to diagnose their partner or child as it may be. Uh, they're expecting you to mediate their dispute, solve their money problems, deal with how men and women are different, the, the millions of theories, which are content. And so let's just talk about content really quickly. Can I tell you a story? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of contradict myself here. Okay. You ready? So in EFT, we don't chase content. A better way to say it is we don't try to solve content. That's what's really key. I want to tell you a great story from a trainer's retreat, though, an EFT trainer's retreat. One of the legends of EFT who doesn't get near enough airtime is a wonderful, wonderful person named Allison Lee. She's sweet. She's brilliant. She also has a great sense of humor, which is, is really about everything in my mind. <laughs> <coughs> And so she, she knows more in one hand about EFT than I do in my, my whole body. I'll tell you that. She's one of the only two people in the world that grades our certification tapes. And so I was at my first or maybe second retreat as a trainer. And uh, she doesn't say much. She sits. And sometimes our trainer retreats are quite lively. If you can imagine that many sort of type A leaders in the room at the same time, along with Sue Johnson, who she's quite shy and doesn't have much to say. That's sarcasm. She's a powerful leader, man, just like you'd think she is, and, and we love her. But anyway, these, these retreats get going. There's a lot being said. And, and at one point, seemingly at random, Allison raises her hand, and she's kind of in the middle of a room in a, in a round table. Like the whole room stops because we all know how good she really is. And uh, she says, uh, I have something to say. And, of course, she gets the floor. We're all like in stunned silence because – uh, it's like E.F. Hutton, right? When, mm. when, what, what's that old saying? Uh, when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens or something. Anyway, so she just says, I just want to say one thing. Uh, I, I grade all your certification tapes, and I think maybe we've been a little bit too restrictive on content. Um, it's not that you, you can't talk about content at all. What we want to do is to not get stuck in content, but in content, is so much emotion. So you have to learn to use the content as opposed to just restrict it out of the room. She smiles and nods and sits back down. Doesn't say another word for like four years, and <laughs> <laughs> at least publicly. And so what she said is quite brilliant. Yeah. And so as we're talking about focusing our sessions from the start, we have to get clear on what we're going to do with content. Because content is where attachment problems play out. Content mm. is, is where attachment problems, where attachment disconnect plays out. Money, sex, parenting, you know, who cleans up, who wants to go out more, who wants to stay in more. I mean, all the things. Who's more clean, who's not clean. Who's going to do more housework, chores, all those things. I'm not saying that those aren't important. I'm just saying if I start to try to mediate those from the outside, number one, I won't be able to <laughs> unless I'm the Wizard of Oz. And number two, even if I do, it's extremely high relapse potential because I've not addressed the elephant in the room, which is our attachment disconnection. So with content, we want to use it 
to access the power that's below it. So we want to validate it, reflect it, get curious, track it, but don't get caught trying to solve it. So there was situation one. I'm sorry, that was situation two. Keep me on track here. Sorry. Situation one was a little bit different, and that is the relationship comes in and we can't sort of find where the attachment dance is. So here's the bottom line for me on focusing well at the start of EFT sessions. When a situation goes on, maybe a couple or a family comes in and some situation has happened this week, or maybe there's a sexual dysfunction or something went wrong, or maybe a big cycle happened, and it's Thursday, that happened on Thursday night, and I'm seeing them on Tuesday afternoon. The million-dollar question is, when you two try to talk about this, how does the conversation go? So I love James's response. He's heard me say that how many times? One million. <laughs> we, we work in a similar place, and he's trained with me a lot. He says, yes. His facial expression said, yes, I've heard that a million times. Then he rolls his eye, uh -huh. which is so, such a great response. It's so typical because this is a missing question. So many therapists launch off the harbor trying to chase down the content or even trying to go for the pain. But the problem is we don't even know what their dance is. And I don't mean like the big picture cycle, like we're going to talk about in a step four, who's the pursuer, who's the withdrawer. What I mean is what happens to this conversation for this relationship when the hard thing comes up? Million-dollar question. When you two try to talk about this, what happens? The million-dollar question part B is how does this conversation shift from an attuned, responsive place where we're secure and we'll solve our own problems or we won't even care that much about them to a vicious reactive cycle? And so some little practical things I'll just throw out here. Um, we get asked all the time, be more practical, be more practical, be more practical. Like, all right, all right, all right, let's try so, you know, something that I, I find myself often doing is a couple comes in, they're fighting about sex or whatever, and it's just tons of energy in the room, which I'd rather work with too much energy than not enough. But anyway, you know, I'm just like, so when, so when you two try to talk about sex, what happens? They often give me, uh, he always goes away, or, or she just attacks me. And I have to slow it down. And I say, okay, guys, help me out here for just a minute, okay? Just until I can get the picture. Let's take all the meaning and all the emotion out of this discussion for just one minute, which sounds funny for an EFT therapist, but it's not. You've got to get focused. You've got to get the F actually before you can get the E. Maybe we should call it F-E-T, then it'd be called feet, which is just a little odd. <laughs> You're looking at me like I'm a total idiot. Well, then we wouldn't get mixed <laughs> up with the tapping EFT. That so. is correct. People would think we're a shoe store though, so I don't know. Anyway. So you got to have the F before you have the E. If you don't even know what's going on at the attachment level of the couple, if you drill down for emotion, you very well may get really lost. You may know what the pain is, but we don't even really, we can't even really make sense of it. So what I ask them to do is to take the emotion and the meaning out for just a minute. And I say, can you just pretend like you're a GPS? And can you just give me the turn by turn direction? As soon as the first person brings the topic of sex up and you can replace sex with any other, you know, sort of conversational topic or content, if you will, how does the conversation go? And then I have to pause and refocus them multiple times all the way until the relationship normalizes again is what I'm looking for, which sometimes is right before bed that night or sometimes at breakfast or sometimes it goes three or four days. We need that information at least once, or anytime something really goes sideways. We need that focus. Because if, a, if someone brings up sex, someone goes away, and we don't talk again for seven days, that's a very different thing than saying we take two hours off and then someone comes back and apologizes. Or, or more commonly, we don't even talk about it. 
And then the next night we just start talking about dinner and we never, and we never bring it up. So focus early on is what kind of conversation do they have when the topic comes up? This is so key. I, 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 every, I'll tell you this, here's my advertisement. Every time I do a great job getting these questions answered, my sessions go a lot better. It's shocking how I actually have changed my case because the difference between client narrative and philosophy versus really, really clicking in with their attachment dance is night and day. And even as you say that, Ryan, I feel relief in my body because that gave me focus again. It gave me something small and tangible to make sense of something that's so big and reactive. Nice, nice. If you, if you can unpack, you know, if I'm supervising your case and you say, hey, this is my hardest case, and I say to you, James, mm -hmm. when they try to have this conversation, who does what, how does it go? At what point is there a repair attempt? How's that go? If it doesn't work, what does happen? And then at what point does their relationship normalize? By normalize, meaning we just kind of go on with life. We, we can change the subject. You know, it just kind of goes back to normal. If you don't have that answer for me, the problem is I'm not even supervising the right case and you're not even doing therapy with the right case. We're, do, we're doing yeah. therapy with a bunch of narratives. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Can I catch one more thing? Y'all yeah. forgive us. This one's going to go long, but I think it needs to go a little bit longer because this is an important part of EFT. And when you said a question that was it helped me, when you said, what happens with this couple when they go from this attuned relationship to a re reactive cycle? Conversa an, attuned conversation. Conversation, yeah. that's yeah. it. That's an important question because sometimes I'm sitting with couples and I'm trying to work with the reactive part. And they'll say, but it's not always this way. Mm -hmm. And they're right. Mm -hmm. For many of our couples, it's not always this way. Mm -hmm. um, and so you even just focusing on, that's, that's an, another level of just breaking down the focus of I'm interested in working with you in that place where you go from attunement to this reactive cycle because that's where we need you need me to help you change. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's so specific. So I'm not trying to solve everything about everything in their life, nope. everything about everything they've ever experienced in the 20 years of their relationship. I'm focused on that one specific piece, and that helps orient our clients a little bit more. For sure. And if us you, more. If you really do a good job with focus and you're reflecting the present process, first move with the tango, you've reduced your case by about 80%. Now it's manageable. I'm like, okay, I see what's really happening here. Otherwise, it is overwhelming. And then I see why people want to change models. <laughs> you know, when you got that much chaos, I mean, anything that deconstructs and reduces this feels good. But we can do that within the model, and that's what I want to see with the focus. So, you know, next piece of this I have a, a male pursuer that I worked with a lot, and uh, he's working with me. He complains. I validate, and, and I sort of push back towards focus. And he asked me about 10 times a session, so what do I do with that? What do I do with that? Which is a hard place for us to be, especially when we're really just trying to unpack what is happening. He wants a solution. So the, the, sort of the, the last piece that I want to refer to today when it comes to focus of starting well is you have to avoid the SPT, the dreaded SPT. And I know all of you know what SPT is, right? <laughs> no, you couldn't know. We just made it up. So, so James, what is SPT? The solution provision trap. Yeah, man. It's so hard. You know, when you're tuning with your client, like we talked about in the previous episode, what they want is a solution, and we want to please them. And they're paying us money for our time. And so we want to provide this solution. The problem is... You can't solve second-order attachment disconnection with first-order overly simplified interventions. It just, it's just a wrong order. Wrong part of the brain, wrong level of change. If, it, if, if they will take it in at all, uh, either won't work or it will work and make you popular, by the way, until six weeks later when that attachment, when the real problem takes back over and the relapse rate goes so high. So we want to use content. We want to pull the attachment meaning. We want to pull the pain, the emotion out of content, but don't get caught trying to solve it. Don't be a mediator. I've been there many times. It's like, it's like trying to drive down the interstate in a cul-de-sac. You just keep coming around and coming around, and before long, you start to run out of gas. 
Want to keep moving along? It's like I pictured that. It's like you keep trying to like turn to the other one and negotiate. Then you turn towards the other one and negotiate. And then at the end of it, the only thing that they agree on is that you suck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well said. All right. So we're coming out of uh, the starting blocks focused. And now we're doing good work. If you get this focus, you'll like this model a lot more. We're doing good work. We're working through someone's internal world. We're looking at reflecting attachment. We're doing our beautiful reflection, validation. We are exploring deeper. We're doing all this beautiful EFT. And out of left field, an explosion happens. A block comes in the room and, and, and takes us back into content or blame, which is probably the two most common things I see is, is back to content. I ask a question about what's happening for someone. And the most common block in the world is they tell me why I say, can you talk to me about the kind of sadness you feel? And they say, well, if she did this, so they're giving me why, right? Which is really, really common. It's a much safer protected way to answer that. So it does make sense from their perspective and yet it doesn't give me what I need mm -hmm. or just blame takes over or we just lose our focus. Now, the first thing I want to say is this happens. This is predictable. It's not a mistake by the therapist. This happens all the time. Please see it coming. Don't feel bad about it. Because if you do, then you're going to restrict yourself. And next thing you know, there's three people cycling. Not that that's ever <laughs> happened to me. So uh, what I want to say is you have permission to interrupt. Your clients need you to take control of the session. A lot of us were trained socially in our families of origin, don't interrupt. Or we were trained professionally, ask open-ended questions, give your clients space to process, don't talk too much. All of those ideas probably have some truth to them, particularly if you're working with individuals. But in, an high, in a high-distress relationship, your clients cannot focus themselves. They need you there. So interrupt them. Feel free right when you're in a good place or about to be in a good place, you're probably going to get blocked and lose your focus. In that moment, permission from us as if you need it <laughs> or as if it does any good for me to give you permission, but we're going to pretend that it does. Interrupt them and say, hang on a minute. Hang on. I know XYZ really matters. Maybe we can get back to that in a minute. But something really, really important was just said. I need to come back to that. I need you to stay with me for two or three minutes. It's a nice little focus move to ask specifically for what you need. It's also an attachment truth. As a therapist, I need you to be still with me in this place for three minutes. Ask for exactly that. Can mm. you stay with me for three minutes? four minutes, two minutes, that's a lot safer than saying, just stay here or just slow down. Be specific for what you need. You don't need 55 minutes, you need three. Hey, I know that X, Y, and Z, this just happened. I know that the topic of sex came up. This is a huge thing. I promise we're coming back to that. Something you said was really, really important. I need you to stay with me here for two or three minutes. Mm -hmm. You were talking about how this doesn't feel good. I need to understand so that I can get very clear. It's a great way to get focused is to ask for clarity for you. I need to get clear that if it doesn't feel good, what does it feel? Yeah. And stay there with them. So there's your reset of focus. And I want to jump in just pulling back from the last episode with you have to be able to be attuned with the client and attuned with self to be able to do that. Because when you said, and part of that language is, you said something that was really important there. And the way you know it's important is you felt something even happen in your body as a therapist, like something big is going on here. I can feel it alive in me and I can see it alive in you. And then you said another word that was important to me. You need, need. It's like the therapist has an understanding of the need where sometimes the client might not even be able to put the words. That's something, a beautiful gift my clients have given me. When I'm really doing a good job of attuning with them and exploring their inner world and I'm focused, they'll be like, I've always needed that, but I never knew how to express that or share that or put that to words. Uh -huh. Nice. I like it. So just my last little point here on resetting focus. 
you know, I was at a session one time uh, or at a, a live thing with, with George Fowler and, and uh, he talked about the two step. I'd never heard, of, I didn't know what he meant by that. That means a very different thing down South. Um, it's one of your best dance moves, James. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but by the two step, what he meant is when, when your client sort of squirts out, you know, the, the, there's a block there and it goes sideways on you. The two step is validate, validate or reflect, validate, and then come back and reset. That's much more tolerable than number one, just losing focus and then everybody loses or two, just resetting without a quick validation or a quick reflection. So of course, of course, if we can't get on the same page financially, how are we ever going to do anything else? That makes such sense. And yet just before you said that you were talking about how hard this is for you. I need to get clear first. Can you stay with me for two minutes? That's a reset of focus. So it seems like a small thing. It's not. If you can contain focus, people will get into the attachment channel. Into the, in the attachment channel is untold power for change. Mm. The power of attachment, the longing for connection is the only thing that's more powerful than fear. Mm -hmm. That's in the human body. And so we have to get that online. Mm -hmm. And without focus, we won't give it a chance to take place. So here's the EFT being experiential. I don't want them to miss what you just gave. That was a huge nugget right there from you and George. So when a client squirts out of a moment, you're, you're working, you're getting, you're getting something online, then they squirt out. <laughs> That's funny to say. That. That's a military term, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. Yeah, that yeah, one. yeah. When, when a team, when a team uh, goes into a building ah. and someone leaves out the back, that's what they say on the radio. We got a squirter. <laughs> oh, okay. clock, which means if someone's leaving, which is dangerous, actually, they can come around and kill you. Okay, I like that. There you go. That's good. That's yeah. good. It is dangerous in these moments. It is. So the, the two-step move in that place is validate, validate. So that could sound like something. It makes complete sense why you always why you would want to get out of this place. Life has taught you that when you go to this place, bad things happen. So, of course, you would want to exit or make a joke here or shift the focus. But I need you to come right back here because you right in that moment, we were talking about this and I kind of saw something happen with your body and there's something important there. Could you stay with me in that place for three more minutes so we can make sense of it? Is exactly. that kind of like the two-step move? Perfect. Okay. Now you've contained focus. Now we give the attachment energy a chance to come forward and we just don't lose focus to some other topic, which we'll waste 15 minutes on. There's a reason that you got interrupted right when you did. And that reason is you're just about to have something really good happen. Mm. And we'll talk about that in a few weeks. I like that. With a block They squirt it out. You got it back. But something good. So that's the even that gives me its therapist hope. Stay in this moment because something good is here. You and I can, there's some gold at the, in, in this. You bet. We got to learn to love the blocks. Mm. Doesn't feel good New, in the moment, though. Another T-shirt right there. Hugging okay. a block. <laughs> All right. Last point on focus. We're going over today. Extra points. Extra points. This is like extra innings in baseball. They say free baseball. This is free, free podcast time. Hey, the last part of focus is target focus. So as we get into deeper places, as we are reaching later points in the session, can you trust the process? Do you really believe that if people can have corrective experiences in deep places with each other, that it will heal their relationship? I'll tell you. Easy to say, harder to do. A lot of people don't believe it at all. If you don't, at some level, you shouldn't practice EFT. But in fairness, I would say, if you've not seen it work, it makes sense that you don't trust it. Yeah. But see it work seven or eight times, and now it's in your body. Yeah. And you, that's corrective experience for you. And then you learn to trust that. So that third part of focus is just trusting that. I don't need to explain this to you too much. This is not about you being skill, having a, a major skill deficit. I hear people say a lot, he just doesn't know how to do it. Well, it depends on how you define know-how. Attachment's in your bones. To attach securely is the most natural thing in the world for any human. So it's not that people don't know how, it's they're out of practice, they're blocked. When they have tried, it doesn't work. So they learn to shut down and even disown those, uh, their own needs and even parts of themselves, which is what stage two is in many ways about. And so what we're trying to do is to trust this process that people actually do know how.
And what we got to get them to do is to do it. If you've ever taught a kid to ride a bicycle, it's not so easy. It's even painful to watch. It's painful to do as well. There are not very many kids who can't ride a bicycle. Almost any kid who's at a basic level of health, at least, can ride a bicycle if they'll get on there a few times. How many times do they have to try before they get it? It varies. Who knows? Coordination is easier for some than others. I was a college athlete. It took me a while. I remember. Never forget it. Training wheels, lots of falls, lots of scabs, lots of, I think my sister you know, did this before I did it, feeling bad, you know, can I, do I even want to? What's wrong with training wheels? <laughs> What's wrong with content? No, Let's go back up to just training wheels. I feel like I understand you more deeply now, right? Thank you, James. This is why you like riding bikes so much now. <laughs> it's still trying to resolve some issues in you, so much that you even have it stationary set up in your house. You really want to get this right, right? That's deep, James. I'm Man, that's good. That's why you're on the, you're on the leading edge of biking, too. <laughs> I'm better just from that accurate <laughs> reflection. This is very healing. Uh, That's good. Yeah. So, but I remember the first time I, the first time I felt it, mm-hmm. I grew up in a grocery store parking lot, strangely enough, next to a grocery store park where I rode the first time and I felt, oh, there's this rhythm to this thing. Hmm. And then I never forgot. Funny right. how that works. This is how humans learn yeah. via experience. When you feel yeah. what it's like to get it right, your body goes, oh my gosh. That I've been missing this this whole time. I didn't so much need you to give me a master's degree mm-hmm. in engineering and physics of the, the pulley system. That's right. What I need you to do is to come alongside me and wow. keep putting me on the bike yeah. and keep putting me on the bike and to affirm my efforts, to encourage, to make sense of how difficult it is yeah. and to keep putting me on the saddle because wow. I'll get it. Wow. Humans ride bicycles very well. Humans know how to bond. Mm-hmm. They've just lost the coordination. And our job in EFT is to trust with focus mm-hmm. that getting on the bike and trying again, try in small ways, see if you can share just a little bit, mm-hmm. slicing it thinner for them, mm-hmm. asking them to share just one small piece. Can any part of you take this in? Right? This is the kind of focus that we're doing. I know many times when I first learned EFT, I would get stuck, and I think in a place that a lot of beginning EFTers do, which is I know what attachment is supposed to look like, and I was bothered by the fact that they were getting it wrong. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'd kind of almost mentally throw my hands up to go, ah, it's not how you're supposed to do it, right? Of mm-hmm. course, we go home to our own relationships and do the same stuff. Yeah. And so what's, what's really, really key, as we'll talk about later, is expecting it to go wrong, mm-hmm. but not losing focus. Wow. With that two-step, validate, but come back. Validate, keep, but come back. Keep coming, validate. keep getting on the bike. Keep, keep getting, getting on the bike. That's this great. looks like, practically speaking, just wrapping up here, kept capturing, capturing, catching a live trigger in the room, in the relationship. Restating the mission, being clear and explicit of why we're doing what we're doing. Doing more enactments. The more focused you are and the more you trust this process, the more enactments you're going to do. If you do one enactment, try to get to three. If you do three, try to get to five. That's where this, the, the change event happens. Even use enactments in your responses to, to their partner's enactments. Make sure you stay focused to process all the attachment events that happen in the enactments. Gail Palmer gave me a hard time. On my uh, certification video years back, she goes, Ryan, that was really well-crafted enactments. They did a great enactment, and then you lost your focus. You just left. It's like the most important part of this is, is during and just after the enactment to really, really process all of what just happened. And then lastly, the last piece of focus is make sure you summarize. Make sure you share, reflect back to them what they just did that worked. I know as an old baseball coach, when I would have a, 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 I was a pitcher, I was a pitching coach, excuse me, I was both actually, but as a pitching coach, to see a, to see a young kid, I coached a lot of college freshmen, when they would finally sort of feel what worked, it would be so easy just to be like, hey, great job. But what I should do is say, now look what you did differently. Here's what you used to do. 
Now here's what you're doing and look at their result. And that's the way to sort of market for their body so that they can reuse it under pressure. That's a great way of explaining move five of the tango right there. It is. And I learned it the hard way by doing it wrong, both as a pitching coach and as a therapist. Well, thank you for helping us, Ryan. Yeah, man, I'm happy to help. So, so that's the focus here. So three, three points, starting it well, by actually getting into what's going on in the attachment dance that sits just below their narratives. And then always ready to reset focus. And then finishing well with target focus, trusting the corrective experience and keep driving for it. Man, y'all, thank you so much. We just want to let you know here at The Leading Edge, we really do care about you. And part of what even just drives us in this podcast is there are so many trainers out there doing great trainings and externships and core skills and specialty trainings. And part of the heart of this podcast is to go back in with you and go on to the leading edge of these critical moments in therapy and to help you to be able to have success in those places. So we just, Ryan, thank you so much even for this almost, I mean, this a lot of nuggets in this, you all. Um, in ways which we hope that can help you to be better as a therapist, as a supervisor. Because even with this one, Ryan, I think this was good for supervisors too, to come alongside other EFT therapists and help them keep getting back on the bike, being focused, but then also helping couples and families and partners just to be able to do this so well. Yeah. Check out our show notes. It's all about the focus. Yeah. All right, y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com. And you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Rayner Professional Training and on his website, ryanreynatraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com.